0: The way up is the way down. Sean Gibbry had to learn this the hard way. Now a successful owner of a coffee shop in North Dakota, he was one of the biggest meth dealers in his state. What changed? decades ago, Sean lived for the thrill of breaking the law. He dealt and shipped methamphetamine across the country. He sold millions of dollars worth of drugs. From his perspective, he was at the top, but he got caught. The arresting officer told Sean that he was being arrested to save him. Sean was skeptical, but in federal prison, chaplains brought a Bible to Sean and spoke with him. And later he professed faith in Christ. Now out of prison, Sean is running his business and volunteering his time with jail chaplains, seeking to serve inmates as other chaplains served him long ago. When we humble ourselves, Jesus shows up. He is able. He is willing to save. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus here on Wednesday. And the last week and a half, we've been in a series called Revive Us Again. What exactly is a revival? Some churches hold them monthly or biannually. Others wait for decades and never see one. But at the heart, a revival is when God breathes anew upon his church, upon his people, reviving us from stagnation to blow an ember once again into a fire. Today, we're going to think more about what a revival is and we'll be joined by two pastors both from the United Kingdom.
1: Revival is not the giving of life to that which is dead. It is the stirring of life in that Mm. which is alive in some measure, but perhaps has lost a measure of energy and vigor.
2: God seemed to be everywhere. What was that? Revival?
0: Revival! We just heard the younger voice of Pastor Jeremy Walker from England and then the older voice of Pastor Duncan Campbell from Scotland. Can't you tell by his accent? Jeremy will join us via Zoom, and Duncan, who's with the Lord now, will join us via a documentary on revival. Both of them will provide keen insight into what a revival is. Duncan, seeing one firsthand back in the early 1950s. And then after the program, I want to send you the documentary that he hosted and wrote that's simply called Revival the work of God. This feature-length film was shot on location at various places where revival has occurred, and it features many well-known pastors and scholars who help retell stories of revival through Christian history. I think it's important to remind ourselves how God has moved in the past so that it will inspire us to pray for revival in the future. So when you call after the program, just ask for the double DVD set of Revival. The number to call is eight hundred sixty-five haven 800 haven Or go to our website, watch the extended trailer of the documentary, and then make your gift there at haventoday.org. haventoday.org. And now let's open with a song inviting us to come to Jesus and rest in Him.
3: Are you weary, heavy laden? Come and lay your burdens down. Jesus calls you, Jesus draws you. Rest in Him. He is gentle, He is lowly. He delights to bring us peace. Tender mighty Savior, rest in land. to forgive you rest in Him. He has paid for every failure mercy flows in endless streams come and follow freedom calls rest in Him. how sure His compassion for us oh how deep is his love so come come to Jesus and rest in him come to Jesus and rest in
0: That's a single released by Matt Merker, Come to Jesus, Rest in Him, on Haven Today, and revive us again. I'm Charles Morris. Well, we've been talking a lot about revival the past couple of weeks, and I asked Jeremy Walker to join us again. Revival is something that I think every Christian I've ever met yearns for, and yet I'm going to ask you the question, what is revival?
1: The working definition that we've uh, tried to encapsulate and explain in the documentary is that revival is the ordinary work of God, but carried out to an extraordinary degree, uh, perhaps extraordinary pace, extraordinary power. So in one sense, it is not new. In another, it is wonderfully new. There's a new freshness, a new force, but it is with regard to the things that God always does, and
0: revival, Jeremy, isn't it something that I think of revival? Think of revival in my own life. Um, it comes in seasons, doesn't it? It's not always prolonged for us.
1: Correct, and and I think I think it's important to uh, to see it in in a biblical framing. Yes. For example, uh, often revival is is something that. Uh, we can whip up or thought to be something that we can whip up, that man can generate, uh, mm-hmm. that we have a certain kind of meeting or a certain kind of structure. Um, there's a well, it's, it's it's not really a joke, but I, uh, it, it sometimes reads like one, uh, a meeting in which the descent of the Holy Ghost is scheduled after the third hymn or something like that. But revival, scripturally speaking, and and the clue, if you like, is in the name itself that revival is not the giving of life to that which is dead. It is the stirring of life in that Mm. which is alive in some measure, but perhaps has lost a measure of energy and vigor. So revival is not something that happens to those terrible people out there. Revival is God by his spirit stirring the hearts of the people of God and the church of Jesus Christ, so that the life that they have is uh, enriched, enlivened, intensified.
0: And I must say, we're also, correct me if I'm wrong, you're talking about revival as something that can lead people to Christ, but for those who already know Christ, they can have revival as well. Am I reading you correctly in the way you're taking that?
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd almost put that the the other way around. Um, okay. Uh-huh. So that, as you've mentioned, revival can be seasonal, episodic. Uh, there are some men who, in their ministry, they've known a, a brief period of this kind of unusual, a distinctive, heavenly favor. Other men have known it for the entirety of their ministries— Sometimes God works in a particular place or region, and it seems like all the men and churches in that area are are touched by the same sense of heavenly reality at the same time. But as you've hinted there, Charles, revival begins in the church. Revival is when God, by his spirit, stirs, enlivens, sometimes rebukes the church of Jesus Christ. There's a more immediate sense of the presence of God with us. So the preaching comes with unusual power. God's people are often convinced of their sin in a way that they haven't been before. They're humbled before the Lord. They cry out to him. God draws near to them. We draw near to him. And one of the wonderful consequences of a revived church is that the gospel then begins to uh, overflow and spread into the world so it's revived christians who have this wonderful effect and influence really the people around begin to take notice of the fact that god is with his people and they can't deny that because of that newfound vitality and spiritual power among the saints
0: how very true pastor jeremy walker thanks for joining me again on the program you're listening to Haven today. My name is Charles Morris. The series is called Revivists Again. If you've been joining us throughout the past week, perhaps you've thought about the following question How does a revival begin? What can we do in our church to spark a revival? Now, you might be tempted to think that you need an elaborate plan or that if you follow a certain set of rules someone has laid out, a revival is sure to follow, well, you may recall the name Stanley Volk. I mentioned him last week. He was from South Africa. He served in England. He was a pastor in America. And he was greatly impacted by the East African revival. And he afterwards reflected on spiritual outpouring. What did he say? He said that revival begins with you and me. That's what Jeremy Walker just shared. We don't need to make things overly complicated. Throughout history, we've seen that revival has taken place among those who have been transformed by God's word, and they couldn't help but share the great news of God's transforming work of others around them. And let me just mention a line that Stanley Voke came up with. The way down. Is the way up. Stanley begins his reflection on personal revival thinking about Luke 14. That's the chapter where you find a parable that Jesus shared about an individual who chose to sit at a prominent position during a banquet. It was a rather embarrassing exchange that followed. The person found out that the seat he took was meant for someone else. So, in shame, This person was directed to a seat of little importance. I don't know about you, but I can certainly sympathize with this person in the parable that Jesus told, who doesn't want to sit in a place with others of status. We want to be recognized. We want respect. We want to be honored. If you don't think so, maybe think about the last time you were criticized Whether constructively or not, you probably would have preferred a word of praise rather than a word of critique. Well, the person in this parable wanted to exalt himself, but it would have been better if he had humbled himself instead. Of course, you find no greater example of this way of living than by just looking to the Lord Jesus Christ. What did his life look like? He was the one who was worthy of all recognition, status, honor. And yet in his life on earth, he took on a lowly position of service. What do we hear in Philippians 2 about Jesus? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And in response to this humbling, the Father, we are told, exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. In the life of Christ you realize the way up is the way down. You find this irony all throughout Scripture. The one who seeks to be exalted is made low, and the one who is low is exalted. And this is critical. It's important for us to understand. Personal revival begins in us, not in a place of self-exaltation, but in a place of humility, with us acknowledging That we are spiritually in need The way up is the way down If you're seeking to puff yourself up To make yourself the center of your life Revival cannot occur Now it was Stanley Voke who said We cannot give place to the Lord Without ourselves taking the lowest place The seeds of revival Are sown when we follow in our Savior's footsteps He's the one who humbled himself for our salvation That was his chief purpose. Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. But he also humbled himself to show us a better way to live. Not to live as the world does with its value of self-fulfillment, but to live as Christ lived. We ought to follow in Christ's footsteps. Those are footsteps of service and suffering, even sorrow. Christ was in sorrow over the sins of the world. We should be in sorrow over our own sin. This is the lowest place. This is what one 20th century theologian had in mind when he said, Christianity is a religion of the broken heart. Because it's at our lowest point, the place of the broken-hearted, that we receive what we need the most, the magnificent, free, and overabundant grace of God. When we take the place of the lowly and the broken-hearted, Christ meets us there. And in his grace, he lifts us up. He exalts us to where he is in the heavenly places. When this transformation takes shape in your life, the seed of revival is sown. How do revivals begin? With the humble recognition that we are sinners in need of grace. Grace to be found only in Christ Well, I'd like you To hear firsthand From a preacher who saw a Revival break out before his eyes Duncan Campbell Was invited to preach In a small Scottish place The Isle of Lewis In 1949 I want you to listen To what he experienced In his own voice As featured on the revival documentary That we have for you
2: I went to at the invitation of one parish minister for ten days. But God kept me there for three years. I was met at the pier by the minister and two of his office bearers. Just as I stepped off the boat, an old elder came over to me and faced me with this question, Mr. Campbell, are you walking with God? Oh, here were men who meant business. Men were afraid that a strange hand would touch the ark. Well, I was glad to be able to say, well, I think I can say this, that I fear God. The dear man looked at me and said, well, if you fear God, that will do. And I went to the door and there must have been a congregation of between six and seven hundred people gathered round the church, this dear man stood at the door and suggested that we might sing a psalm when Zion's bondage God turned back, as men that dreamed were we, then filled with laughter was our mouth, our tongue with melody. And they sang, and they sang, and they sang, and in the midst of it I could hear the cry of the penitent. I could hear men crying to God for mercy, and I turned to the elder and said, I think we had better open the doors again and let them in. And within a matter of minutes the church was crowded. At a quarter to twelve, from village and hamlet, the people came. Were you to ask some of them today, what was it that moved you? They couldn't tell you. Only that they were moved by a power that they could not explain. And the power was such as to give them to understand and see that they were hell-deserving sinners and of course the only place they could think of where they might find help was at the church. There was a dance in progress that night and while this young man was praying in the aisle, the power of God moved into that dance and the young people, over a hundred of them, fled from the dance as though fleeing from a plague, and they made for the church, and when I endeavoured to get up into the pulpit, I found the way blocked with young people who had been at the dance. When I went into the pulpit, I found a young woman, a graduate of Aberdeen University, and she's lying on the floor of the pulpit crying, Is there mercy for me? Is there mercy for me? Is there mercy for me? God was at work. Well, that meeting continued until four o'clock in the morning. God seemed to be everywhere. What was that? Revival! Revival! Revival!
4: Before the throne of grace I come Humble and repentant one With sorrow for the deeds I've done Before the throne of grace For the throne of grace I fall. I love the Lamb who took my sin, whose mercy makes me clean. for the His feet, his hands before the throne of grace I stand, I stand before the throne of grace I stand.
0: Point of grace. That's a group that's been around for a long time before the throne of grace on this haven today called Revivus again. And you just heard the voice of the late Reverend Duncan Campbell talking about the revival that he was part of on the Isle of Lewis in Scotland from 1949 to about 1952. Powerful to hear. And yet I so appreciate his humble heart. He was quick to say he didn't bring revival there. God was already working, and he was only a vessel of mercy. Now, that's just one of many revival stories that you'll learn about in the new documentary called Revival, The Work of God. I think the more we know of how God has worked in the past, it'll inspire us to pray today that he would send revival today. Now, this feature-length film walks you through the history of some of the greatest revivals of all time. As you watch, I think you will be blessed to see that God moves in big ways in your life, in your church, in towns, and even nations. You just need to call us right now. And I ask for you to make a gift to this listener-supported ministry, which helps us keep sharing the good news of Jesus. And as our thanks, we'll send you the double DVD called Revival, God at Work. Not only does it include the entire documentary on DVD, there's a second DVD with more great stories from past revivals. Plus, it includes a digital version for those who don't have a DVD. Our number to call right now is 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, or go to our website, watch the trailer of the documentary. You'll get a feel for what it's all about, and you can make your gift there at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And while you're on our website, check out the Great Stories podcast where we have extended interviews with Pastor Jeremy Walker, the host of the Revival documentary. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today here for your encouragement and your walk with jesus i'm charles morris with haven ministries inviting you to anchor your day in god's word i'm praying for you we've all probably heard those words too many times and we've said them to others as well the reality that others are praying for us is a balm for our souls After all, that means that others are interceding for us before the throne of grace. But you know, there's something that's even more comforting than that. Jesus himself praying for us. In John 17, we read what's often called the high priestly prayer. And towards the end, he prayed these words. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Jesus prayed for his disciples, but he prays for us too. And in this crazy, wicked, turned-over world, what could be more comforting than that? Try out Anchor Devotional today in print. Visit GetAnchor.com.